a writing workshop where you go deep on one very specific thing. And then the course would actually go deeper on the rest of it because we want people to get huge value. We want to show them what you can do. And so if the offer isn't even created, if you can just give people a very small taste, maybe it's going deep on like the the first week of your training. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Would you like to earn more money from your books? Because that's one of my goals here on Become a Writer Today, to help you get paid what you're worth as a writer or as a creative. And in this week's podcast episode, we're going to talk about how you can turn your book, your nonfiction book, into a course that you can sell which you can build a business on the back of and which will help you serve your readers or your customers or students in different ways. And it's actually something that I've been doing for the past few years on and off. I've focused more on course creation this year rather than writing. And it's certainly time consuming. In fact, I'd say it's nearly as time consuming as writing a book because not only do you have to create the course, but you're going to have to work with students to get feedback on your course, improve it. And you also need to figure out how to sell it to the right audience. Now, one part of the whole process that I really enjoyed was actually creating the course itself. And during the summer, I created a course called Conquer Writer's Block. And while creating the course, I studied all of the different approaches that people use to get around writer's block. And you can find information about that on different podcast episodes. But one strategy that I came across that really helped me a lot is called the Oblique Strategies. If you haven't heard of them, the Oblique Strategies are basically a series of cards that were created by the musician Brian Eno and the artist Peter Schmidt. And what I do is I keep these cards on my desk and when I'm facing a particular challenge, I'll just draw from the deck of the oblique strategies and it'll give me a prompt like don't break the silence or remember those quiet evenings. The prompts are a little bit ambiguous, but it prompts me to consider what I'm writing in a different way and perhaps to rework it in a way that's not so cliched. The oblique strategies were originally created for artists and musicians Well, I think they can help writers too. In fact, I've got so much benefit from the oblique strategies that I'm considering creating my own version of them because I have a book of writing prompts, some of which I think would work quite well if they were created as cards. Now, to be honest, I don't know if I'll actually create this and sell it, but it's definitely something I'm going to get designed, at least for my own writing and use at my desk. And some of the prompts that I've considered using are things like extract a journal entry or draw on an entry from your commonplace book or consider the last time you felt angry about something. Because I've got a library in my computer of all of these different prompts. And while they're useful, I sometimes forget to use them. And it's only much later when I finish the article in question or when I finish the book chapter that I think back on those prompts and I say to myself, you know, I really could have found a better angle or finished that faster if only I had used that particular prompt in question. And of course, it's relatively easy to, you know, turn something into a product that you can self-publish and either sell or just simply use for yourself. If you're interested in learning more about them, perhaps send me an email because I am interested in working, you know, with a select group of students who would find these kind of prompts useful. But it's something that I'm definitely going to explore and I'll probably talk about in future podcast episodes. Creating content for courses aside, the other thing that I've struggled with with creating courses was asking for the sale. What do I mean asking for the sale? Well, it could be sending an email whereby you say to your students or your customers or readers that your course is open or that your coaching package is ready. And if they'd like to take action, they can join now or subscribe and so on. And it really took me you know, a year or two to get comfortable with asking for the sale. Even today, when I'm you know, launching a course or a book or a product, I always try to put content 
first. So if you don't have money as a writer to buy the course, you're still going to find value in the emails that I'm going to send or in the videos or blog posts or even podcast episodes that I'm publishing. All of that said, if you're creating content regularly and writing books, I'd say to you, don't be afraid to ask for the sale. Don't be afraid to create higher end products for your readers and for your customers. Because if you've worked hard at your creative projects, you deserve to get paid too. Doctors are very well paid. Lawyers are very well paid. And some writers are very well paid. And if your work is good enough, you should get what you deserve. That's a lesson that I'm actually still learning myself. And one way that I've tried to reinforce that lesson is by working with coaches and by taking other online courses from people who are further along in their entrepreneurial journey than I am. Now, one person who helps students create and launch online courses or sell coaching packages is Laura Phillips from Love to Launch. Based in the United Kingdom, Laura's business is called Love to Launch, which is a great name. And she has an interesting approach in launches in that she doesn't really rely on email marketing and in fact gravitates more towards Instagram. And that's something we'll talk about in this week's interview. Laura also explains how to launch a product or a service so it feels attractive to your readers or your customers and how to align what you feel passionate about with what readers and customers will actually buy. She also explains what a nonfiction writer should consider before their next launch and that could even be for a book or it could be for a course or a coaching package. And Laura talks about how to avoid overwhelm because launches can be very stressful. So she explains how to avoid all of that and still find time for your creative work or for taking time off. But I started by asking Laura to explain how she helps online entrepreneurs launch courses, products, and services. So my name's Laura Phillips. I'm the founder of Love to Launch, and my company helps entrepreneurs, mainly those who are in the transformational space, and she's some in the hobby space as well. We turn their skills into online products, and I teach them how to sell them. So we use a model called a launch and um, launches have changed a lot over the years. So I teach people how to create an experience, an event that people actually want to show up for that gives them a taste of what you're about as a professional with the hope that they're going to buy from you. So it's a really fun way of marketing. And how involved is a launch? Like how long would you, does a launch normally take your students? So a launch is usually about two weeks. You have a week really for delivering content, for teaching what it is that you know, creating that experience, building that relationship, and then usually five days to to close a sale. So that kind of cut open period is for you to basically share how awesome your product is. We try not to talk about it in the first week. It's really about delivering value, delivering that experience. Then when you move into the second week, it's all about sharing your amazing offer. So it's a really fun way for people to sell. People who hate selling can do it because really it's all about showing huge value in advance of asking for the sales. So uh, generally they'll create some kind of online challenge or they'll create a series of workshops. But it's really about showcasing you and your expertise and showing that you can actually give them a result because if people love the free stuff, they're going to love your paid product. What type of products or services are people launching, Laura? Uh, so typically launching courses, memberships, coaching programs, events. Generally speaking, they are online products, but we've got lots of people who are selling offline things as well. So we'll have clients who come on board and they're trying to fill their books with private clients for a series of six months. So um, more and more people are realizing like the power of launches because it used to be that you would always be bringing leads into your business. And whilst that's good, if you're a solopreneur, it can also be quite time intensive, always bringing in new people, onboarding them, delivering your service. We found it way more efficient and making more money by bringing in a group of customers at the same time and serving them and not always selling. So you mentioned that it's time intensive. So what would you say to somebody who's launching for the first time and is feeling a bit overwhelmed? 
Um, I guess to enjoy the process, you know, when we think of a launch, people feel like it's, it's a lot of work, but actually I know for sure that I would rather be working one or two times a year selling and get back to my zone of joy, which is coaching. I want to be coaching as much as I can. So kind of be prepared for that, that week of delivering some workshops and building those relationships. And you will enjoy it. It's not like a a horrible, stressful environment. It's a, it's a fun place where you get to meet all these amazing new people. So carve out a week, carve out a week to deliver some uh, amazing content. But it's all about, for me, it's not just about the launch event. It's like what you do before. So if you are always showing up on social, if you're always generating leads that are bringing people into your launch events, it's not going to feel crazy or stressful. It's just kind of a a natural progression of of what you've already been doing online. And it's a really enjoyable experience for everyone. So that's why my company is called Love to Launch, because you can actually love the process of launching. Most people find them stressful. How we do them is a little bit different and it's fun. Yeah, it it can be fun. So. My understanding of a launch is that you would offer some value through a series of emails and then you would gradually move, you know, pivot to an offer of a product or service that would help. Uh, it sounds like you, some of your launches involve social media. Yes. So we generally use social. In fact, our, my most popular platform for delivering the content is usually Facebook. We love communities for that. But I do a lot of work on, on Instagram. And the reason I love Instagram for launches actually is because you get to start the conversation in the direct message first and then bring people into your world. So the actual content that we generally put out in launches are a series of of trainings, a series of workshops. So rather than just relying on email, which is more difficult these days, we actually want to bring in a small group of people and actually teach them something on a live class. Okay. Okay. That's that's an interesting approach. So I'm just curious if somebody's just set up on Instagram and or perhaps they want to use it for personal use. They probably only have a couple of hundred followers. So how might that person stand out above everybody else? So I have one of my favorite strategies is private outreach. And I recommend this to most people are starting out because some people can be so focused on bringing in volume for leads that they forget that actually the thing about Instagram that's amazing is that you've got a direct message and that you can reach out to your followers and you can start conversations. Even sending a quick voice note to introduce yourself and to get to know people, you can instantly build that relationship. So like, I think people don't realize that social media is about being social. It's not a share platform. It's actually for starting conversations. And you can really quickly build connection by reaching out to your followers, send a voice note, a message, start the conversation, get to know them. And then slowly, not straight away, you don't want to go straight into the sale, but get to know them, get to know what their challenges are and, and how you can help and support them and build your relationship that way. You know, I've got 10,000 followers on Instagram and you'd be amazed at how many of my potential clients actually have messaged me and we started that conversation. We built it that way. But the people don't send spam. I think people think that it's spammy to receive and send direct messages, but it's not. It's actually a really high quality way of starting a conversation. And Instagram is one of those platforms where you have instant access. It's not like LinkedIn where it feels spammy. It's like people are expecting to, to get direct messages. It's a really open platform in that sense. So use that tool and actually connect with people and surprise them by sending a voice note instead of just a text. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I haven't considered that. What type of content is working well for launches on Instagram today? So launch content, I think, is taking a slice of what you're actually going to be putting into your launch and using that as an IGTV piece of content. The great thing about what Instagram have done is essentially they're trying to keep users on the platform. So when you put out a long piece of content on on IGTV, people can actually see that in their feed. They're more likely to see that in the feed because Instagram want to keep people on the platform. So it means if you're, for example, you're a coach and your launch event is all about teaching people something about what you do, giving them some free coaching, you could put some of the same subjects in a story, uh, put it onto IGTV. And Instagram are more likely to show that in the feed because they want people on the platform for longer. So you actually get far more views 
onto your IGTV content, which is around 10 minutes long than any other piece of content I've been putting out. So I use a combination of IGTV, use a combination of stories and a little bit in the feed, but IGTV automatically goes into the feed anyway. So uh, it's a really, really great place. I guess we call it real estate. It's a great piece of real estate on on Instagram to, uh, to put that piece of content. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And also curious, how many students have you worked with or are you working with at the moment? So we've just had um, 100 students go through our program. Yeah. Uh, but I also have 80 students in my coaching program. Uh, I also coached probably oh, 500 students of Stu McLaren's in his community. So literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not in the thousands now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what strikes me is that you're, you're really, clearly quite busy, Laura. So how are you balancing coaching all those students and then creating content for Instagram? Like it seems like a lot... I only focus on one platform and okay. I actually focus on the platform that I love the most and that is Instagram. So yeah. I think when it comes to social media, when it comes to lead generation, when it comes to any kind of marketing, if it doesn't feel hard, if it feels easy, it's going to feel enjoyable and it's not going to feel like it's a massive drag. And, and let's face it, we've all got time throughout our day to take our phone with us and to answer a few direct messages and send a 20 second voice note to someone. So uh, yeah, it's not as difficult as people would think make it a priority. But if you're trying to be on all the platforms at the same time, but like I'm not active on LinkedIn, I don't do a huge amount of Facebook. In fact, with Instagram, I send my content from Instagram over to Facebook. So choose one platform, go deep, choose the platform you like and only create content that you actually enjoy creating. And all of a sudden, this big, huge stress. And the content that you enjoy creating is those Instagram TV videos. So could you give me an example of what's in one of those? Yeah. So an IGTV video is a 10 minute snippet. So I will talk about the power of launches or I'll talk about launches um, from, from my perspective, just something that shows, showcases who I am. But generally speaking, my favorite piece of content is in the feed. So although, you know, if I'm saying to people, I would recommend you use uh, IGTV, I will use my feed and I'll use actual Instagram stories because I've got 10,000 followers. So it means I can automatically send people to my links. So the IGTV method is really for people who don't have a big following. If you've got a big following and you can do swipe up, you should absolutely be using your IGTV, your, so your IG stories, which is completely different. That's the, the 15 second snippets. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I haven't used IGTV much, but then again, I'm, I'm probably more comfortable with other platforms like Medium and Quora. Yes. Uh, I'm also curious, like, do you have a team that helps you run your business or save time? Because it, it seemed like there's a lot of outreach there and I know outreach can be very time consuming. Yeah. So my team are on board to free up my time so I can focus on the things I'm really good at. So um, I have a community mentor who takes on a lot of the small mentorship within my program. We use Slack for our community. So she's on there and she's taking care of the community in that way. And I have a really great assistant called Kate. She takes on a lot of my admin and booking calls and just, just takes a lot of my plate. My business model is actually very simple in the whole scheme of things. It's all coaching based. So as long as I'm coaching, my business is growing. And because I only do launches once or twice a year, it means that yes, although I have a lot of customers, I'm not actually selling all the time. So it's, um, it's actually a very simple business model, leaves lots of time for, for fun and travel. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like it did. You've picked one channel and you've picked one area of your business to focus on. Did it take you a long time to narrow down to those two areas? Yeah, it did. I mean, I started off my business in web design and e-commerce. So I had 40 clients in five different time zones. Team of three, it was absolute chaos and I was burnt out. So I decided I was going to move away from that space. And it took a while to kind of find what it is that I wanted to do. So I was doing lots of courses, 
doing lots of affiliate marketing, which is how I got to know the likes of Todd Herman and, and Ryan Levesque and Stu McLaren. And so affiliate marketing was a big part of what I was doing, but I kind of found that coaching was the thing I enjoyed the most. So it's quite easy. It's like, this is the thing I enjoy the most. So I can say no to these other things and just stay focused on that one thing. Yeah, I call it trying on shoes in business. <laughs> and it took trying on quite a few pairs of shoes to actually find the thing that was not only the thing that I was best at, but the thing that I was most aligned with and the thing that made me happiest. And I think when you, when you hit those three things, you find your sweet spot. I mean, I'm sure you, with you with writing, like yeah. when you find that thing, it's quite easy to say no to everything else. And how do you help or do you help students find that thing for themselves? Uh, generally speaking, people find me when they know what they want to do, but they haven't quite refined their offer yet. So it might be that they are a coach within the mindset space and they don't know whether they want to do a coaching program or a course or a workshop. Generally refine their offer a little bit, but I really encourage people to try out different offers with different launches and see not only what performs best in terms of sales, but see what they enjoy the most because you've got to have both of those things to have an offer that's scalable. Okay. Speaking of offers that are scalable, so I remember my first launch, it did not go well. I spent a long time creating an offer and creating the course and perfecting the inside of the course. And then only a few people bought it. So that was pretty demoralizing. But I found out much later, that's a pretty common experience. So what would you say to students who, who encounter a problem like that? We all have launch flops, right? <laughs> we all have fails. I had once, and I shared a story with a smile now, but I had 900 people once sign up for a webinar and no one bought. And it was the most humiliating, demoralizing Horrible situation, but actually it taught me the most lessons. So I think there's no such thing as failure. It's only feedback. And the thing that I always encourage people is if you can sell it before you create it. And that's what I love. I love to create and teach that strategy with what we do, because then it means you're not spending six months creating a course. You're spending maybe two months building the audience ready to sell. And then you create the course as you go, which is actually what we did with Let's Launch Together over the summer, the course was created as we went and we'd already brought in like 53 new students and 50 existing members. That would turn out to be like a 70K launch and the product wasn't even created. So uh, for me, like if you can, sell first, create afterwards. Could you walk me through how somebody, let's say a writer, could sell it first and create later? Yeah. So I think the launch has to be very congruent with the offer. So what I would be looking to do is to bring people in, maybe into like a, a writing workshop where you go deep on one very specific thing. And then the course would actually go deeper on the rest of it because we want people to get huge value. We want to show them what you can do. And so if the offer isn't even created, if you can just give people a very small taste, maybe it's going deep on like the, the first week of your training, because then if people have got that small result, they're far more likely to continue it. And then I would just create the content as you go and, and also try and create it live if you can. I call this a beta launch. And so if you can create it as you go, but keep it very, very simple and just do it live for the first time, you then know you've got an offer that people want. You've got an offer that works, but also like being able to bring people into that experience with you to be able to have them shape the product with you as you go throughout and also be able to pivot. So if in week three, you realize the content you planned needs to be completely different, you can pivot and you can change it and you can just get people amazing results. And if you get people amazing results with that beta, you've then got an offer that can be then turned into maybe video content or some kind of like extended course. I like, I like that. I like that. So when you say going deeper, are you sending the the leads or the prospective students a link to a webinar page that they register for? Or are you asking them to pay a small amount and then join a private webinar? Yeah, so you can can do both ways. I actually recommend start off with the the free content first. Uh, But our students have seen huge success with when they've got an offer that's proven to work, when they've got a launch that works, 
then putting a small fee on, although you get smaller numbers, you get less tire kickers and freebie hunters. And so doing a paid launch later on down the line uh, can actually double your conversion rates. So typically ours go from 8% to 20%, which is wild. So you get less numbers, but also means you can deliver on a much better experience for people. So yeah, that works really, really well. But I wouldn't do it first time round. Do the free and then do the paid. Okay. Okay. So to return to the example of, of the writer we talked about, so they've got to pre-sell their, the course that they're going to create and they've got students now registered for a free webinar and they're going deep into the particular topic. So how do they go about preparing the content or creating the content for that webinar? So I always think you have to be very clear on the promise of your, your launch event. So rather than just doing one webinar, I would do a series. And I would do that, generally speaking, within a Facebook group or some kind of closed community. Like you want people to sign up for this thing and to, to actually sign up for an event. Because the problem with webinars now is, you know, <laughs> six, seven years ago, the show up rate was like 60%. And now it's down to 25%, 30% if you're lucky. But events, like people actually want to attend events. So treat it like an event and deliver a series of workshops. So maybe in workshop one, you would go deeper on your story to uh, create the expert positioning, to build authority, credibility. Workshop two, I would teach them one small thing. So if you're a coach and you take people through like a a 12-month program or if you're a writer and you've got a course, like teach them that first bit. Go deep on that. Because ultimately, if you go surface level on all of your methodology, people are only going to get like a surface level view of what it is that you do. Whereas if you choose one very small specific thing to teach, so maybe it's the first part of what you do, or maybe even it's the, the part of what you teach that people are always asking you questions about, the really, really juicy bit. Because if you go deep on that one thing, like they're not going to get the result or the transformation that they want overall in that just that one week, but it is enough to then make them want to know more. And then your third workshop, I would then give them a taste of what the rest of your methodology is like. So ultimately, if people go deep on that one thing and they get the bigger picture, they're far more likely to buy from you. And is a workshop an hour or half an hour or how long do you <laughs> So I try and have my students do 45 minutes, but uh, in my last two launches, my workshops have gone on for two hours because I do them live and I just ask, answer loads of questions and the time just goes. So I say aim for 30 to 45 minutes with a view that actually you're going to have so much fun and you get to answer so many questions. You might be there for an hour, an hour and 15. So yeah, just be prepared for that one. It always goes on a lot so longer. You, than so you'd have half an hour of content and then you're answering questions for the Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, and at what point are you pivoting then towards the, the sale? So I actually don't talk about the offer until the next week. Um, I always let people know at the beginning of the free content, I am going to be putting an offer out to you next week. But this week you're here to focus on the free stuff. So I want you to get a result from this free stuff. And I feel like that level of transparency has really been missing in the marketing space, particularly in internet marketing. And people will just put the pitch at the end. So I try and flip things on its head in marketing. So I talk about it up front. Right now we're here to do the free content. You're going to get an amazing result. And then next week, I'm going to talk about how you can go deeper. So I'll talk about it the week after. Okay. Okay. And what kind of feedback do you get from students who attend your, your webinars? They love it. They actually have a transformation. So people will say things like, it's this changed my whole perspective. I've had people tell me my free content has changed their life. And, and that's amazing because I think when your focus is actually on creating a result with your free stuff, you naturally get the sales anyway. And so within the launch space, the industry standard is one to 2% conversion rate. Our students are seeing 8%. And on average, and I think that's because our focus is not on the sale. Our focus is actually on delivering value for free to that group of people. And then we have the sale afterwards. And it's, it's a very different way of doing things, but it's a really natural way of doing things. And it's more fun. And it feels great to not only you as the, the leader of that launch, the person in it, but also to your customers going through it. 
So they love it and they really enjoy the experience. And that's why people buy. They buy because they love the free content. Do you still find launch is stressful, Laura? Or are you used to the process? <laughs> My company's called Love to Launch. So I actually do love launches. But I started to really love launches when I less focus on like all the little bits that needed to be done and just focused on showing up and teaching my thing and then putting the offer in uh, a week after. It removes so much stress. Just focus on what you do best. And when you're in the transformation space, when you're in maybe in the hobby space and you've got a passion, if you focus on making your launch about that passion, no longer it feels stressful. It's just you showing up, doing your thing and teaching it to other people. And and that's just, that's just so joyful. So no, I don't find them stressful. You have stressful moments, usually around live streams and tech, but just expect that and just kind of know what's going to happen. So you know, we know for sure when cart opens on day two, uh, day two of cart open, sorry, people are not, are not going to be buying from you. You get like this natural lull. But because we know this, we tell our students to go and book themselves in for like a, a haircut or a spa day or go and play golf or do something that they, they enjoy. So we know exactly the, the process of a launch and what parts are going to catch you out and where the stress is going to come and how to beat it. And sometimes it's simple things like that. But being in your zone of joy with the whole launch itself is, is where the fun comes from. Like what's more enjoyable than talking about the thing you're most passionate about? And you're launching twice a year or, or more often? Yes, twice a year. So when you're first starting out, you're going to do more launches. You're going to do maybe four or five launches a year because you'll have a smaller audience and you'll need to bring in more customers to, to build that revenue. But now I just do two launches a year. So we did one in February and we did one in July. And then our next big one will be February again and, and it will also be in July. So, so it's a really great way of building a business because I know I've got those two times a year that my family are probably not going to see me for about five days because I'm delivering. But then the rest of the year, I've got all of this amazing freedom and I guess just get to focus on coaching and you bring in more customers. So you're naturally going to make more money as well. And um, when you launch twice a year, are you ever concerned that there will be like a, a spike in revenue and then the rest of the year is pretty flat? So I'm getting a cash flow here. Yeah. So I think a great aim to have is to actually build recurring revenue into your business. Then you don't have that and your launches are just pure profit. Okay. And is that something you've built in over the years? Yeah. Yes. Um, I have a, a membership called Launch and Thrive, yeah. which is a higher level coaching membership. So people pay £247 a month uh, and they stay in that membership, but you only get in if you've done my course first. So retention is really strong. So having that base of recurring revenue just makes everything so much easier. So yes, I definitely encourage people to, to build in other revenue streams to remove that stress because otherwise you get stuck on the launch roller coaster where you make loads of money and then it drops off. So yes, building that over time removes the issue. Uh, just something else, you mentioned some of the people that you've worked with, Todd Herman. I took one of his courses a few years ago about the ninth day. Yeah, yeah it's a great <laughs> course. Uh, Ryan Levesque, who's, who's written a, a series of books yes. uh, about how to find out what your audience wants. And Stu McLaren. Um, how did you build relationships with these people and, and how helpful has that been for you? Oh my gosh, amazing. So I, Todd Herman was the first person I ever worked with in the online space. And I found him at a time in my business when I was super stressed. So I did his program, The 90 Day Year, became a private client. And it was actually through him that I was introduced to Ryan Levesque. And then I became one of Ryan Levesque's top affiliates promoting his program, The Ask Method. So affiliate marketing was definitely a way for me to become known in the industry. And I would find myself in these circles of mainly male marketers, actually, with 100K plus lists. And here I was, this, uh, this British mum working from home with a list of 3,000, finding myself on the leaderboards in these big, huge JV contests with the likes of Michael Hyatt, John Lee Dumas, Ryan Levesque, Stu McLaren, Todd Herman, you know, not only holding my own, but actually, you know, competing with them. 
so I became known within the online space as, as they call me conversion queen, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny. But for me, it's because I'm, I approach marketing a little bit differently. And so because of that, I've always done really well with affiliate marketing and um, became known. I've uh, been invited to speak on their stages. So um, I spoke at Tribe Live this year and I spoke at Brian Levesque's um, Ask Live a couple of years ago. So, you know, for me, it's all about relationships, isn't it? But uh, affiliate marketing definitely gave me uh, a platform, got me known, um, but known for the right reasons, which I think in the online space uh, is definitely what you want. Yeah. Yeah, I I can imagine. Um, And one final question, you you strike me as quite organized. So I'm just curious, do you have an ideal early morning routine or what makes for a good morning for you? So I no longer set an alarm, which is actually quite joyful. I used to, I, in fact, I've had burnout. So for me, I want to start my morning when I'm ready. One of my favorite things, Michael Hyatt's full focus planner, yep, which is yep. epic. I don't touch my emails first thing. I try and stay off social media and I want to get done like my three top tasks for the day. So for, as soon as I've done some journaling, I try and do meditation, but it's one of the things that always slips when I'm busy. But I just want to make sure that my mornings are super focused on the most important activities in my business. So that's how I stay really, really organized. And are you working a full working week? Uh, just I know you mentioned you have two busy periods in the year and you travel a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I tend to. Um, I don't work evenings and weekends unless I'm in launch mode. Um, but because we have a launch model, I'm very focused on program delivery for maybe 12 weeks at a time. So that's a more intense period where I'll probably work some evenings coaching. Um, but then I travel a lot. You know, I've just got back from, from Canada. I probably go across the pond six times a year. So a lot of my time is spent traveling. So the rest of the time, it's uh, usually normal Monday to Friday, nine to five-ish, <laughs> apart from when I'm delivering our programs. So Laura, where, where can people find you or more information about Love to Launch? So my website is lovetolaunch.com. And the best place is actually to find me on Instagram, which is Laura Phillips HQ with two L's. Okay. Well, it's great to talk to you today. You too, Brian. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course. Thanks for listening.